WRFM 103.7, talking travel with uh, our travel guide, Sally Lucas, who's all about the preparation today. Sally? Preparation is just so important, Mark. Um, I love people doing their research before mm. they come in because it makes the consultant's job a lot easier, number one. Not, not I'm saying that we want to be <laughs> taking it easy. I don't mean it in that respect, mm. but I think the more you prepare as, mm. as the client, the more the consultant can help guide you through what you want to do because you're indicating to them what your likes or dislikes are, you know, what you prefer in accommodation. Do you prefer little B&Bs? Do you want a, a five-star ritzy hotel? Do you want to travel by train? Do you want to hire a car? You know what I'm saying? So the, the more preparation you do, the, the more you're going to get out of your holiday and the more it helps your consultant plan it to the best of what you want. Yeah, exactly. Because if you come in and say, I want to go to Switzerland, okay, great, but what does that mean? Yeah, you know? exactly. What does it mean? <laughs> it could be a whole, all of those things. I know, I know. And I think it can be daunting too when you look at the size of some of the cities in the world. It's, it's huge. Like, you know, we've got a population of nine, I suppose, 26 million now in Australia. And like our largest city is still Sydney, which is, you know, about 5.3. But when you start looking at some of these mega cities around the world, like Shanghai's 29, Sao Paulo and Brazil's 22, Mexico City's 22, um, Istanbul and Turkey's 16, Cairo 22, Delhi and India's 33. You know, yeah, so you're, you're getting amazing, up, isn't it? you're getting up there, and Tokyo's like 37. Um, New York, it's 88, so it's quite small, isn't it? But when you look at comparison to those other cities, um, 37, yes, Tokyo, just, just in Buenos Aires is about 15 and a half. So you're never going to go to one of these mega cities and be able to do it all, is what I'm trying to lead to here. And you really have to get that out, out of your mind to start with, don't you? Like, you do. You can't do everything. No. So what are the things that, are, that you really wanted, the essence of the destination, what, what, what do you want to get out of it? You even think about our own city of Newcastle, for example. And it's not just the inner city, you think about the surrounds. So with us, we've got Lake Macquarie, we've got Port Stephens, we've got the vineyards, all within easy distance. But if you said to someone, you could do all that in three days in Newcastle, and we're only small by comparison, you couldn't. Mm. Could you? No, and and you'd bust a gut trying, and then you'd end up not having a great time because all you've done is spend your time rushing to things. And yeah, not, oh, yeah. we've been here an hour. I've got to at the lake. Now we've got to get to the Wadigans, and then we've got to get to a wine tasting by four, and up the bay <laughs> by six. I mean, what a terrible holiday that would be. It would be horrible. So this is why I'm trying to put it in perspective. You start going to any of the large cities in the world, try and work out what it is about that city that you are going there for. Are you going for the museums? Are you going for the music? Are you going for the culture, the food? Um, do you only really want to go and visit the old original city, you know, the old part, the mm. original part, or, you know, do you want the modernity? You know, it's and a lot of the old cities, particularly, say, in more the Asian countries, seem to let that be swallowed up by the modern high-rise, whereas if you go to Europe, they, they traditionally really love keeping the old part of their city the way it always has been and not change it. So, you know, everywhere in the world is different in how they organise their cities. So you really do have to put a lot of thought into your planning and how you're going to get around, you know. Do they have, for example, like in Hong Kong and in London and even here, like you, you get a card system now where you buy your card, let you travel around on either the metro, the bus, the whatever, you know, mm -hmm. is that how you're going to get around? So it, there's so many bits and pieces to make it all run smoothly and make sure that you have the best possible stay 
in whatever location you are. You know, it's, it really is important. So in terms of planning, what do you reckon the biggest mistake is that people can make? Well, I still think it's not enough time. They really in, think in a spot. In a spot, okay. they really think they can, you know, have three nights. For example, I say, do you realise three nights by the time you arrive and the time you leave is only two days? Mm. Hotels don't have check-ins usually till two or three. You're checking out around ten or eleven, and often you're flying in, or if you're railing in, or even if you're driving in, you're not getting there first thing in the morning necessarily. Mm. So you might have part of that day, but you're really only going to get two full days if you have three nights. So I always say, I mean, I know it depends on how long you've got and how much you know holidays you have up your sleeve, etc. But if you can afford a minimum of four to five nights, at least that's going to give you a bit of a chance to see some of your major must-dos. Again, I, I like the the obvious comparison that you made that we can easily make, and you, and you go, okay, well, if someone was coming to the Hunter, for example, mm. I mean, to do all of the things that you probably want to do, even two days, it's not going to not going to get you there. Not going to cut, and it. that's just here. I know. I said that's not going to cut it, is it? Yeah. So, and again, concentrate on your areas. Like, look up the regions of your city. Like, for example, Paris has eighteen arrondissements. Tokyo's divided up. You know, and they've got the different prefectures. So you've got to really sit down and do a fair bit of research. I mean, your travel agent will always help you and talk you through all of this sort of stuff as well. But still, it's good for you. And we have the tools these days. It's not like the old days where you had to go and borrow a book from the library and look at a map and try and work it all out. You know, you've got the internet, you've got Google, you've got all these things, all these tools. You've got uh, translation now. You used to take a phrase book with you now. How good is that? Those apps where you. Yeah, all the apps yeah. now that'll help you, whether it be for your weather or an itinerary planner or a language app, you know. So the more you immerse yourself in what you're going to do or what you hope to get out of the holiday, the better. And uh, maybe, just maybe you're looking for a holiday up uh, north and Sally has something uh, for you today. This is something very different, Mark. It's called an Arnhem Land Wilderness Adventure. And I think that top end of Australia, the Arnhem Land, particularly like back even probably in the late 80s, 90s, you could hardly even get in there and you had to get special permit from elders. You still do need a permit, by the way, to, to, to get into Arnhem Land. So it's a part of Australia that not many Australians have actually been to. Um, and there's only one company that has worked very hard over the last few years with the elders and all the traditional people of the lands to get permission to run a tour across that top part of Australia. So this is only one company does this. So it's just really remarkable. And what they've done, they've spent quite a lot of money building specific lovely glamping and specialist lodges along the way. Well, if you do anything in that camping space, it's got to have a GL in front, I'm sorry. but oh, yeah, and they I have. agree with you, and yeah. they have, and it's certainly... <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, you're going to get to experience, as I said, this wonderful part of the top end of Australia that you don't get the opportunity, and you're going to get to see all sorts of wildlife, like, you know, crocs, of course, you'll see a plenty, but you'll, you'll see, like, the, the, the cattle, the brumbies... Um, you know, you're going to see wonderful bird life. It, it's it's just an amazing. And then you you take part in traditional, um, you know, ceremonies with with the elders, and you learn about their medicines and their background and their stories. And you sit down with them because you're only in a small group, which is just amazing. So you know, you've only got I think it's maximum sixteen people. So and you're travelling in a Mercedes four wheel drive, you know, beautiful fitted out vehicle. Everything's included, all your meals, everything. 
And you fly from Cairns. So you've got to get yourself to Cairns. Then you fly from Cairns across to Nullumbee, which is Gove. You might remember that's the Nullumbee's the original name of Gove. And then from there you start, you're actually travelling across the top where you're staying in safari camps and lodges along the way. <clears throat> Mount Borrowdale in Arnhem Land is considered to have some of the best rock art in Australia. Absolutely unique. Um, then you finish up, and this place I have been to, um, is Seven Spirit Bay on the Coburg Peninsula, which is stunning. And, you know, you'll even go fishing and you just everyone's guaranteed to catch something. You oh, really that's are. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I even caught a shark, a bronze whaler. How big was that thing? Oh, it was only, <clears throat> what's that? A metre? About a metre. About a metre. Still. Back Give you when, a nasty time. Back it went, yeah. But, yeah, you, and you see these beautiful rays, huge manta rays, and they come in in the, in the dusk in the, in the late, and they're flapping. You see them flapping up and down at the water's edge, just sucking up whatever their little nutrients that, that they feed off there. You know, you, you go to see, as I said, the jabaroos, the beautiful birds. It's, it's just a most remarkable itinerary, and... I just think if you haven't done it or if it is on your bucket list, th this is a tour that's available. I mean, obviously there are people out there who are grey nomads who might do this on their own, but it's still quite difficult with permits and you won't get to get to all these actual um, cultural centres and of where these people are because it, you just can't. It's permit-based. But yeah. the good thing too with with any sort of experience, Top Dogs, where there is an experience attached, being smaller, like you're not sort of lost in this big group that are just mirandering around. Like you said, what's it, 16 or something? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're doing boat trips as well. Like you'll be going into the Arafura Swamp, which is by boat, and open back four-wheel drive. So you're going in your big vessel, but along the way they have the open you know, vessels, open vessels, trucks, you know, four-wheel drives. The Mercedes ones. <laughs> so, to, to, so that you can get your photos of your wildlife up close and personal, like you do in Africa, you know, have the open-type safari vehicles that you're travelling in as well. And Seven Spirit Bay, I mean, it is just gorgeous. They're individual little villas you stay in there and, and just the, the standard of the food and everything you get there was... Oh, it's got a very special place in my heart. And that was, gosh, I can't even remember how long ago. It's probably 20 years ago now since we were there. It actually has been through a couple of different owners. They had they were wiped out by a cyclone at one stage, um, you know, rebuilds and different people have taken it over. But thank God it is running and opening again now because it is a very, very special part. You can only get in there normally by plane. So if you were to go to Darwin and you want just to go to Seven Spirit Bay, you've got to go in by air. That's the only way you can get in there. And they've got their own little dirt airstrip and someone will pick you up with a big set of bull horns on the front of the four-wheel drive. <laughs> of and, course and they will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, but this, forgetting just Seven Spirit Bay, what you're going to see across the top from Gove all the way across is very unique and very special. Talking travel with uh, Sally Lucas, who's been scouring the world and back again to find uh, some of the hot deals. Sally, you've got more of them there than we can poke a stick at, so better let you get into them, eh? Well, there are more, and of course you know why, don't you? Black Friday oh, sale. Of course, everyone's oh, got God, a sale. Everyone's got a sale, and who hasn't got a sale? <laughs> Oh, tell you what. Anyway, just about everyone has got a sale, but just to let you know with the travel, it's the same as I think most of them. They finish either the 30th of November or the 1st of December. So if you are to take advantage of any of these additional offers, um, with most of these companies, they've already got like an early bird offer, but this is an extra little bonus that you're getting as a Black Friday deal. Okay. So, for example, we were talking earlier through, <coughs> pardon me, about the Arnhem Land itinerary. Um Originally, you could have savings of up to nearly 5500 per couple if you book by 15 December. But now if you book by 1 December, you'll get an even better discount subject to availability, of course.
Yeah, fair okay. enough. But you'll still get that other rebate, even if you don't pay by 1 December, just to let you know that. Um, now, there's other ones in that area of the world I thought we'd talk about while we're talking about the top end. And, of course, that's the Northern Territory Now Sale. Now, they have this every year because it's the summer months and not everyone thinks they want to go in the summer months because it's hot and da-da-da-da. But it's when you do get really good savings. You're actually better, sounds silly, going in like December, January, February than you are going in this month because this is what they call the build-up and it's horrible. It's, hot. it's worse because it doesn't rain. It oh. just the heat builds and builds okay. and builds and you get no relief. So humid? Oh, shocking. Right. Like an oven. You, 100% you walk out and you think you just walked into an oven. But um, if you're going in, in the December, January, February period, they always get or nearly always get an afternoon storm. So that clears the air, cools your night down. And makes yeah. it more bearable. Start again. <laughs> yeah, start again. So you do get some really good rebates. And again, these all go till the 30th of November as well. Um, but you can travel up to actually April next year. Um, Ponant, that wonderful French cruise company, they've got the takeoff to the Kimberley because they're cruising that area now as well, like a lot of the other cruise operators are. Uh, return flights and transfers are now included on all their 2024 expeditions, which means that you can actually even fly business class if you booked certain suites on their boat, an upmarket suite, you actually get to travel even business class. So keep that in mind if you're thinking of going to the Kimberley. Um, Africa, they've got a fantastic grand African journey company called Travel Marvel savings of up to $2,000 per couple again booked by 30 November 28 days it's doing just about everything you can think of in Africa including East and South Africa so it's a grand African journey 28 days just absolutely fabulous um, the cruise companies they've nearly all got Black Friday sales um, there's a full list everywhere you go now whether it's Hertie Gruten you know Norwegian Cruise Line Seven Seas, Royal Caribbean, Seaborn, Virgin, they've all got them. So just keep that in mind. There's some great savings. Everything varies with each company. It's whether you're going to get – you might get 75% off the second guest or you might get so much off per stateroom or you might get uh, a drinks credit or you might – you know what I mean? So there's so many different offers. There's too many to mention. Um, also, I, I forgot to mention, So sorry, with Ponant, they've also now got um, – on their Japan itineraries, so they've got return flights now included on a select range of their Japan itineraries as well. And also Colette, that's a European company. They have 20% off tours for their well, worldwide. They don't just go to Europe. They go to the Americas and so on as well. So 20% off again booked by the – theirs only goes through till the 28th of November. So they're all a bit different. It could be the 28th, the 30th. But look, even if you don't or can't take advantage of those particular savings, you will find there will still be some early bird savings. They might not just be quite, you know, as substantial. Mm. So it's always, as we've said all the way along, Mark, get in early, get in early, get in early. It doesn't matter where you're going, whether it's domestically, internationally, it doesn't matter. You've got to get in early to take advantage of getting your best airfare at the best price and also your best deal on your land arrangements or cruise arrangements. Yeah, for the end of the month or the 28th, depending. All right, that's uh, a lot to take in, but as always, <laughs> a, a pleasure, Sally. We'll get another Talking Travel with you, uh, oddly enough, same time next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. That's uh, Sally Lucas, our travel guide, wrapping up uh, Talking Travel today on 2NURFM.